Meredith welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. It's always good to be here. Thank you for being here on this cold morning. Yes. I thought we should start by talking about um, kind of some safety things we should all just be reminded of. Um, For those of us listening in Brookings or in South Dakota or throughout this region, we're all experiencing some really cold temperatures, and they're going to stay around for a while. Definitely. So you want to find ways to protect your yourself uh, from that exposure when you're going out into that super cold weather because you run the risk of developing um, frost nip or even the more serious condition of frost bite. Mm. So frost nip is when you go outside, your hands get cold, they're kind of that tingling, burning sensation. Um, There's injury, but the tissues aren't freezing. So when you get frostbite, you're actually getting ice crystals forming inside your tissues, and that's Mm. much more serious, and that's what causes lots of damage to the to the body. So, you know, frost nip can progress into frostbite, but frost nip, you come in, you know, your nose is cold your and red, your ears are cold and red, your fingertips are cold and red, your toes, you know, all those areas, uh, because the body is designed to shunt heat to keep your core organs, your heart, your lungs, your intestines, everything in the, the uh, torso of the body to keep that warm at all costs. And it does it by kind of shunting away blood from the the extremities of the body so the ears Uh the nose the fingertips the toes so those areas um, are much more susceptible to getting these injuries gotcha so um, to prevent that um, we can appropriate winter clothing is helpful and and layering and especially like with socks um, having moisture wicking so because a lot of times people have hot, heavy boots and then their feet sweat. And now you've got this water, the sweat surrounding your feet. And uh-huh. then that can cause evaporation. And that in cold weather can make your feet um, wet and cold. And then you can end up getting those injuries worse. That's where, you know, the whole idea of trench foot came in is you had wet feet that were never dry because they were uh, walking in trenches with cold water so if you're out you know people that are out hunting or trapping and and walking and getting the snow or something in their boots that's very important to change your socks frequently to keep your feet warm and dry so very good yes yeah it's great to get out and get a little bit of fresh air still once in a while here but that appropriate winter clothing and is there a certain amount of time you recommend or is there any thoughts on yep so uh, definitely it's there's a lot of factors that go into how quickly you're going to get it so okay um you know the negative degrees it can happen within you know five to ten minutes when you're hitting that minus 30 minus 40 you start factoring in wind chill it's going to happen even faster Mm -hmm. so Wind is definitely going to um, be more dangerous if you're out on a windy day as opposed to a calm day at the same temperature. So 
definitely protect yourself layers cover the nose cover the ears you know gloves are going to be warmer than mittens because you're or <laughs> i'm sorry i said it backwards <laughs> mittens are going to be warmer than gloves because your fingers are, are staying together and, and kind of that buddy heat that they can okay. radiate off of each other um you know there's a lot of gloves um, some people have what's called raynods where their vessels will spasm and then they can get kind of basically the same symptoms of uh, frost nip at normal temperatures or or less cold temperatures and um, for those people you know having battery operated heated gloves i've got a pair because my ah. my fingers are really sensitive to the cold those are great so when i'm you know watching my kids uh ice skating and i'm sitting in the rink there i've got my heated gloves on because it really is is important in keeping my hands warm i know a lot of um, snowblowers now are having like heated handles um all in an effort to try to keep uh, preventing people from having these issues. Right. Gotcha. I have not heard of battery. There are battery heated. operated heated gloves for wow. people with Raynaud's. Um, they're actually designed as kind of ski and snowmobile gloves. Okay. So, and there are some that will like plug into your snowmobile and, and keep your hands toasty, toasty warm. Wow. Very yeah. good. Well, I learned something new today. Well, thank you, Dr. Cruz, for being here. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is actually healthcare or health literacy. And so after our break, we will dive into talking about health literacy and what that is. Um, but if you have any questions today for Dr. Cruz, we encourage you to give us a call. We'll be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90. And C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. This week's Prairie Doc topic is health literacy. Dr. Cruz, what is health literacy? So health literacy is basically being able to understand exactly what it is your doctor told you and, and to understand what your medical conditions mean. I mean, there's a lot of people that um, will say, yeah, I take a medication, but I have no clue what it's for. That mm. That's saying that they don't have or weren't explained the adequate level of health literacy that we would like them to. We want people to know what they're taking, why they're taking it. So it's it's basically, do you understand what your doctor said about what's going on with your health? Mm -hmm. And um, it's just as much a part of the doctor's fault than, um, you know, have we not explained it to you correctly? Because a lot of things in medical 
are still in Latin roots and Greek roots, and it really is an entirely different language uh, that you learn in medical school. And after doing this for you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it kind of becomes a second language, and you forget that a lot of these terms are unfamiliar to people. So uh, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to explain it to them. And like with any other language, sometimes there's no good translation. There's mm. no good word for this in plain English of what <laughs> this means. So, you know, trying to find ways to explain stuff to patients is very important. Um, but health literacy, I, I know it's important for patients to ask questions because you know, sometimes if they're just sitting there and nodding along, we're assuming that, oh, yes, you understand what I'm saying and getting. And, yeah, it it's happened more times than I care to admit or want to know where, you know, you think you're doing a really good job of explaining what's going on. You leave the room, the nurse comes in, and the patient says, I have no clue what the doctor just said. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't want that to happen or for you to get home and say, I have, you know, your family asks, well, what did the doctor say? And you say, I don't know something. Right. So that health literacy is, yes, I know what the doctor said and I understand it. And I can tell my family and my friends what's going on uh, because I have a good understanding of my health. What can we as patients do to help improve our health literacy? So this is where asking questions. Mm -hmm. Ask, ask your doctor, you know, can you explain that to me again? Or I don't understand or, um, you know, what does this mean? You know, do I need to be concerned? All these, all these very good, um, just letting us know because we're not mind readers. And, um, you know, if you need something clarified, definitely ask. Mm -hmm. I will never be offended by someone saying, I don't understand what this means. Or can you explain this to me again? Um, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And we really want people to know what's going on. And... Like I said, uh, some stuff is kind of hard to explain, but you know we'll try to find different ways of, of explaining it so you understand and your family understands. Because the last thing we want is for someone to say, well, I have heart failure, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what congestive heart failure means. I've, I've had people, you know, that's, it's a kind of a scary term when you mm -hmm. say heart failure. Right. And for doctors, we're like, oh, congestive heart failure, chronic condition that we treat with medications. You know, people can have normal lifespans with that if we keep it under control. But I've had a patient tell me one time, oh, you told me I had heart failure. I thought my heart was going to fail, as in stop, like mm. at any moment. They, they kind of were constantly checking their pulse, afraid their heart was going to suddenly stop beating because they oh. had heart failure. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, oh, no, that congestive heart failure means your pump isn't as strong and your heart isn't beating as efficiently. It doesn't mean that it's suddenly going to go into vapor lock and, and, and suddenly stop beating. So that's... Um, you know, do you understand what your diagnoses mean? Mm -hmm. So as a, I've been a patient, you know, sometimes when I'm listening to my physician explain something, it makes perfect sense. But then half an hour later, I get home trying to explain to someone else. Um, you kind of like, now, was it this or was it that? Was I supposed to follow up with that in two weeks or four? I can't remember, you know, mm -hmm. so I often bring a notebook or something to write down. Is yes. that encouraged? That you guys is... care when we bring in our notebooks and all of our notes? No. And, and this is also where a patient portal comes in very handy because mm -hmm. you can, one, ask us those questions directly. Um, two, um, you can pull up your actual note and read your notes or read your x-ray report and look at that. Um, and, you know, 
writing down those questions, a lot of times when you leave a clinic, you can get what's called an after visit summary, where it will give you just kind of a summary of this is what you were in for, this is your medications that we have listed, this is what your allergies, and people find errors all the time, you know, you'll say, mm -hmm. oh, you don't have my allergy to penicillin on here, oh, I, I'm not taking, you know, this medication twice a day. Remember last time we switched it to once a day because errors happen. We mm -hmm. know, you know, doctors are human, nurses are human, you know, receptionists are human, stuff gets entered in. There's always going to be errors, but the more proactive you can be about your health to helping us find those errors and, and then rectifying them. So we can request a um, patient, what Portal. did you call it? Um, the, the after visit, visit summary. The after visit summary. Mm -hmm. So we could always request that yep. um, when we're in there to just kind of summarize things, maybe um, get a copy of that to give to your kids or other people who care about your health that yep. are trying to know what's going on as well. Exactly. And there's always, um, you know, if you're on the patient portal, if you have adult children that want to kind of keep tabs, you can give them what's called proxy access, which is basically saying, I give you permission to look at my medical chart and I give permission for you to talk to my doctors. Okay. So by giving that family member permission to talk to um to talk to the doctors and the doctor's permission to talk to them. You know, sometimes if that um, family member who's out of town that you have, like, I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain this to you. Okay, I get permission for my doctor to talk to you and it, they can explain it to you too. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have no problem calling someone's family member if they give me permission and say, please, can you explain this? I've had it in the clinic where they're like, can I put my daughter on speakerphone? Yeah. Go right ahead, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then they can ask questions and then I want to make sure everyone knows what's going on. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we have some really... Like you said, they're different. Um, it's a different language, some it words is. that we aren't familiar with. Um, and sometimes we're feeling a little scared or anxious at the same time, which doesn't really help with our understanding in that moment. Exactly. So those are some great tips. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Did you know that breast cancer death rates have declined 40% from 1989 to 2016 among women? The progress is attributed to the improvement in early detection. Breast cancer is most common in women, but can also be found in men. Anyone who notices changes in the breasts, such as skin texture, tenderness, lumps, or discharge, should be examined by their provider. Women are encouraged to have a mammogram every one to two years, starting at age 40. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Please talk with your provider about your breast health and other health concerns by calling the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Today's Prairie Doc topic is health literacy, which as Dr. Cruz is explaining to us is how well we understand the 
the our diagnosis and our um, plans for staying healthy and what our doctors are trying to help us accomplish. Um, Dr. Cruz, you were mentioning, um, you know, we have that physicians want to answer our questions and be available and make sure we have a good understanding. Um, it's common now for physicians to be part of a care team where we have other professionals involved as well. How can we use that care team to help us with our health literacy? Yes, yeah, so care teams is really a big change and shift that's happened probably in the last five to 10 years where it used to be doctor kind of did their own thing and everyone else kind of just followed the doctor's orders and it was a very you know pyramid top down uh, but now it's becoming much more collaborative where we're we're working things and, and working more like a football team where you know the doctor kind of sees himself as the quarterback of coordinating but everyone has an important role in getting the job done. So at our our clinic, we have a clinical pharmacist. So Sarah McGill, she does a wonderful job of sitting down with patients and explaining their medications or helping adjust insulin or, you know, show how to use the, some of the newer medications that are injected. Um, You know, if we have people that are on lots of medications, you know, are are some of these medications interacting with each other and causing um, side effects? You know, do we need to kind of pare down, um, and get the right medication combinations for people. So I've had her simplify meds where people are taking tons of meds during the day and it's one specialist adds one med and then another specialist adds another and pretty Mm -hmm. soon you're taking 20 pills a day and you know, one might be fighting the other or you're setting your clock, you know, to take them at five different times. And every time you add another time you need to take medications, there's another chance for error or it's hard to, you know, you can miss something or get the pills confused so that is, she is a really great resource with that. Pharmacies will do what's called compliance packing. Um, a lot of times, sometimes there's a little extra cost for it, but they can put your pills into, this is your morning pills, this is your afternoon pills, this is your evening pills, you know, or have uh, what we call bubble packs where it gives the calendar date and your medications come in a card okay. instead of in a bottle. And so then you pop out, you know, today is what the 10th. So you pop out the card that's number that says 10. And then you just pop down and then you can see, did I miss a day? Because you can see that the pills were taken out and which day they were taken on. Mm -hmm. So those are all good ways of doing things. We have nutritionists and, you know, there's great nutritionists at the hospital that can explain healthy eating and working for weight loss. Um, You know, they've got health coaches um, that can help with things. A lot of insurance companies have health coaches that can help you if you want to lose weight, stop smoking. And um, we, at the clinic, we have uh, what's called the coordinated care team, which uh, usually are nurses and social workers that kind of help talk about resources. You can't afford your medication. Let's see if that pharmaceutical company has a program where they give it to the medication for a reduced cost or for free to people with uh, low income or that meets certain criteria. Do you need help with, you know, getting something with housing they can you know help coordinate with habitat for humanity or they can talk to you know you need something with glasses they can talk to the lion's eye bank and you know they know all the resources they're kind of your personal 211 which is another great resource we've talked about here on the show Mm -hmm. you know to help you find are you having food scarcity can they help you hook up with the food bank so kind of all of those social issues you know you have an appointment in sioux falls but you can't drive how are you going to get to sioux falls they can set up volunteer drivers to help get you to your appointment so anything that could be a barrier to you getting the health care you need whether it's finances whether it's you know transportation whether it's medication costs whether it's not understanding how to take the meds or when to take them 
that's where that team can really help doctors. The hospital has kind of the similar thing with their uh, case managers or social workers doing the, the same thing, helping, you know, do you need equipment after you leave the hospital? Do you need a, um, a wheelchair? Do you need a walker? Or do you need, you know, something to help you with your mobility or a shower chair? So there's this entire team of people that are trying to help you get everything you need. And, you know, you can't have one person do it. If I did that as a doctor, what all of these other people do, I wouldn't be able to see patients because I would be on the phone all day. So it's good to have these other people that can dedicate the time because sometimes it's very time intensive mm -hmm. to get all of these resources lined up for a patient. Um, but it's the right thing to do and it, it needs to be done. So we have these teams where we are all kind of collaborating, doing our own specialty. And, and after a while, you kind of get those um, insights as to where these resources are in the community. So it's great to have everyone. And I know when I hand someone off to coordinated care or to the clinical pharmacist, that they're going to be in really good hands of someone who can sit down for an hour or more and help this patient um, understand what's going on and get the help that they need. That coordinated care team resource sounds fabulous. Is that something that you're um, physician would refer you to, or is that something you can call the clinic and say, I need some help? How can I be part of this? Yep. Um, Usually your physician refers you to okay. it, but I, I would say there is no harm in calling the clinic and asking if you have questions about it. So it really is, some people just have a short, you know, they see them once or twice, they get a few questions answered and they don't follow up with them again. Other people, coordinated care will, will call them and check in with them, you know, for ongoing for weeks to months mm -hmm. to just make sure that they're doing okay. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really good, you know, if people just need a little help with, you know, you want to stay independent in your own home, but you're having a hard time with doing housekeeping, you know, we can help find someone that can help you with that. Mm -hmm. So there's so many resources, um, you know, that your doctor, we're not concerned just your physical health, we're concerned about your mental health, emotional health, your social well-being, your house living environment. We're, we're concerned about all of that. I mean, I had one patient, you know, it's really hard to take care of your skin conditions if you don't have a working water heater. So, you know, it, I spent time working with coordinated care trying to figure out how are we going to fix this woman's water heater mm -hmm. in her home so she can take care of herself and we can get her skin condition under control. Because if you can't bathe, because you have cold water in, in the middle of winter right. in South Dakota, you know, we're, we're not gonna solve the problem here. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's digging a little deeper as to finding the cause of the problem rather than just saying, here's a pill or here's a cream, and that should solve everything. Mm -hmm. We're looking at what's the social um, environment that's making things harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great to hear about all these different resources and um, to know we just sometimes have to ask questions and let people know we need some help with something and um, hopefully there'll be some resources that can help meet those needs. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. If you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430. It's time to get your flu shot. The influenza virus is a seasonal illness that changes every year. That is why the CDC recommends a new flu shot each year for everyone over six months of age. Now is the time to get your 2020 vaccine. 
It is especially important to receive the vaccine this year while we are in the midst of the COVID pandemic. The flu vaccine, along with good hand washing, mask use, and social distance will help you from getting and spreading influenza and COVID. Vaccines are available at your provider's office as well as many area pharmacies. Please make it a priority to get your flu shot soon. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. We've been talking today about health literacy and the importance for us to have an understanding of our own um, health and how our physician and um, the healthcare team are helping us address that and how to um, make sure we have a good understanding of that so we can take care of our needs. When we think about health literacy, we also consider how we seek care, our awareness for care available in our community and how to access that care. For example, if someone has a medical concern, they may go to the emergency department rather than maybe the clinic. Why is it important for us to have a general understanding of the health care available to us and how to assess it, access it? Well, I think it's very important to know um, where you need to go because yeah, if someone comes into the clinic and they're having an active heart attack, we're going to call 911 because we don't have uh, the equipment to treat that. I mean, we have an AED, so an external automated defibrillator, but uh, you know, we don't have the resources available to basically run a code if someone's heart were to stop beating while they were in the clinic. The best place if you're having a heart attack or, you know, chest pain is going straight to the ER. Uh, just because our resources are limited in the clinic. And we're going to call the ambulance and send you there. So, you know, it's best if it's an emergency and you say, you know what, this pain is severe, I would go to the the emergency room. So, um, you know, if you think there's something going on, it could be appendicitis. You know, again, I don't have a CT scan in the clinic. Getting a CT scan from the clinic usually involves calling your insurance company, prior authorizations. I mean, time ends up getting um, wasted with you in pain while we're waiting for permission. In the emergency room, they don't have to ask permission to do tests. They can just do them. So the other thing I always tell patients is in the clinic, I have very little available that I can use to treat your pain immediately. So if you have excruciating pain that needs to be addressed and stopped now, the emergency room is the place for you mm. because I have nothing to offer you in the clinic. Okay. And I'm just going to delay things. So clinic is good for, you know, colds, runny noses, sore throats, you know, minor lacerations and cuts, you know, if you think you might need it glued or stitches. Um, but Severe things where you need immediate care now, severe pain, chest pain, you think you're having a stroke, you think you're having something that's, you know, excruciating pain in the stomach, you know, is it gallbladder, kidney stone, um, you know, appendix, all of that needs to go to the ER. So if it's severe, I would always err on the side of caution and, and go to the ER and, you know, clinics for more the stuff that we can fix that's not severe. Mm -hmm. So we've got um, 
kind of same day appointments for things, you know, the bladder infections, the colds, the ear infections, that, that stuff, that's all clinic appropriate. So um, I've seen stuff that should be in the ER go to the clinic. I've seen stuff in the clinic that should go to the ER. Mm -hmm. um, but basically if it's severe, you're having severe pain and we need to do something and do it now, go to the ER, everything else, check at the clinic. And if you have a question, ask and you know the nurses are really good at, at kind of helping triage ask to speak to the nurse so don't just okay. talk to the front desk person because they're not medically trained sure. they're they're taught to put in um stuff in the computer to set you up an appointment so if you don't know where you should go ask to speak to your doctors or doctor's nurse and then it can help ask some more questions and figure out where the most appropriate place for you to go all right. We did just have a question come in. We just have a minute here. Um, this individual is asking about um, wearing a mask to get health care at the clinics here in town. Um, sounds like um, perhaps for some reason they are not able or willing to wear a mask. Uh, what do you recommend for someone? So if you are care? not able or not willing to wear a mask, then the option is doing a virtual visit where you are contacting someone via um, a two-way video chat. So that's that's the alternative if you can't or uh, won't wear a mask. We just can't risk the other people in the clinic because mm -hmm. we're having, you know, people who are having cancer treatment. We have babies. We have, you know, elderly people coming into the clinic. So if we can't protect them, um, we're not going to infringe on their rights mm -hmm. by having you come in without a mask. So mm -hmm. that's, that is a policy that we are not going to change um, you still can get care but it has to be virtual it cannot be in person okay all right thank you for that information well i learned a lot today about health literacy some great reminders to um, be active in our health care and to have a good understanding of um, what's going on uh, with our medications with our care plans and all of that before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, February 11th, Doc Prairie Doc host Jill Cruz is joined by Dr. Butra of the University of Pennsylvania Perlman School of Medicine and Dr. Tim Ridgway with the USD Sanford School of Medicine to discuss how healthcare professionals and patients can better understand each other for an optimal medical outcome. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Television. I also have to say Dr. Cruz's essay this week on healthcare literacy is, is great. So you can find that in um, your local newspaper or you can um, find that on the Prairie Doc website. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.